music station was bought off by a huge news station, they took the position they don't want any preacher. They want any Jesus stuff on their news. So therefore, they said, we have a policy that we will not allow religious programming on our news network. And so we prayed, and somehow they decided, well, you know, this is Sunday morning in the hour uh, 11 to 12 live. Maybe it's not that bad. We'll let it go. But what happened, because they were using the Internet to go around the world, I was grandfathered or put in that same process. And so it seemed really exciting to do that. And for a while, they were saying, we don't need a preacher. Then 9-11 happened, and all those newscasters said, who's going to comfort the nation? And then they cast around, they decided, well, let's get the preacher to do it. So it was the highest profile sermon of my life. And 10 minutes before I went on the air, they said, Pastor, we're sorry, but President Bush is going to preempt you and he's going to address the nation and comfort you. This was the next day after 9-11. And so uh, God does strange things. However, I guess to this day, I'm just as glad President Bush spoke because uh, I was stressed out and I wasn't even sure what happened because with the Pentagon and everything happening. So it was an interesting part of my life. Let's bow in prayer and prepare our hearts for this message today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come, that you will open the door of each of our hearts so that we may hear your word and we might avail ourselves of the great resource that's in the God of healing. Lord, be with us now in the name of Christ. Amen. Names have meaning. And when we hear a name, usually something comes to mind. I'm intrigued by nicknames. And they usually describe something uh, about a person. Do you have a nickname? Do you know someone who has an interesting and descriptive nickname? Names conjure up an image. To illustrate this, I'm going to provide you with a nickname and see what image comes to your mind about what this person would be like. Barbie. Freckles. Brainiac. Lefty. My dad's nickname was Lefty. He was a left-handed softball pitcher and proud of that and and uh, it was interesting because one day they were honoring him at church and there was a new pastor and the pastor's wife was speaking. And so Lefty was down there except she confused his nickname and called him Shorty because he was a wee little guy. Didn't go over too well for my dad because he, he liked Lefty, but he wasn't sure about Shorty. What about the nickname Starbucks? Somebody who drinks a lot of coffee. Tater tot. I don't know where that comes from. Giggles. Chewbacca. 
for you Star Wars fans. I guess somebody's big and hairy. Peanut. And then I just learned before I came on here that Sherry Strong in high school had the nickname Sparky. I can see where that came from. Sherry Strong, Sparky. You can learn a lot from a name. That's especially true of God. Throughout the Bible, God presents himself with different names. Each name that God uses for himself reveals to us an aspect of his character that helps us understand and know God better. Each name reveals something very descriptive about God. Today we focus on the name for God, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. Are you hurting today? Maybe you're struggling with physical pain, from an aching hip, a bad headache, an illness, or a disease. Or maybe you are experiencing emotional pain of disappointment, depression, being abandoned in conflict with others, a loss that has shaken you to the very core of your being. Perhaps you're hurting spiritually from bitterness, guilt from a habit that has power over you, or a broken spirit because God feels distant. If you're hurting today, then there is help from Yahweh Rapha, the great physician. In Exodus 15.26, God introduces his name as Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. The word Rapha means to cure, to fix, to restore, to renew, to heal. Yahweh Rapha is the source of our wholeness. We see this truth echoed in the New Testament. Every time Jesus says to a person, be made whole. Wholeness is God's desire for us. By calling himself Yahweh Rapha, he is saying, healing is what I am. Yahweh Rapha is the healer of not only physical illness, but of every hurt in our hearts, every hurt in our souls. When we are emotionally overwhelmed, depressed, anxious, grieving, or distressed, God is truly there for us. Only God can repair a broken heart. Only God can purify an unclean soul. Only God can set us free from addiction. Only God can remove our sin. The scriptures tell us, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24 The compound name of God, Yahweh Rapha, comes from a historical event in Old Testament. Please give your attention to the reading of Exodus 15, verses 22 through 26. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went up into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water because it was bitter. 
That is why it's called Mara, bitterness. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw the wood into the water. The water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commandments and keep all His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. I am the Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam. After that place of bitterness, Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the good water. Let me review this passage just a little bit. Let's open it up a bit. The Israelites were on their journey out of slavery and servitude in Egypt and into the promised land where they while were trying to possess and they were still in the wilderness and they became thirsty. They hadn't seen water in three days and the people were restless and angry. Max Licato said, the jubilation over liberation soon became frustration over dehydration. They arrived at a place called Mara and found the water only to discover to their joy they had found water that it was bitter. So bitter they couldn't drink it. Imagine seeing water after being without for three days, driven by extreme thirst, rush to the water deeply and find it bitter and undrinkable and putrid. They turned to Moses and God, complaining, Hey, you're not taking care of us. God intervened and instructed Moses to take a piece of a log and throw it into the water. Moses didn't understand how a chunk of wood would make a difference, but he obeyed. He threw it into the the water, and the bitter water became sweet and clean and refreshing. There's a lesson here about being obedient to God. The name Yahweh Rapha comes from this memorable event that took place as Israel was coming out of Egypt. This account shows how Yahweh makes right, restores, and heals. The name Rapha is not only I am the God who heals, but it could be translating healing is what I am. In this powerful name, Jesus is revealing himself to us as the one can heal the bitter waters of our lives, which represent all the difficult tragedies, all the difficulties, all the troubles that confront us as we go through this fallen, evil, and broken world. God then speaks to the Israelites with a teaching moment. He talks about how the Israelites can avoid the diseases of the Egyptians. God tells the people that he will heal them, but they need to obey. They need to listen to his voice. He will be their Yahweh, Rapha. The Israelites 
needed healing. I believe the bitter taste in that water symbolized the bitterness that was polluting the Israelite hearts. They were harboring a bitter attitude toward a loving God, and that needed healing. Fortunately, God, whose nature is to heal, loved them, and he longed to heal them, and he did. It was good news back then. Friends, it's good news this morning here. We're more like the Israelites than we'd like to admit. We have our own brand of bitterness over things that have happened to us. We are given to grumbling, to complaining, and we all need healing in most areas of our lives. The sovereign God of healing, Yahweh Rapha, revealed in the Old Testament, has come to us. Jesus has entered our world. Jesus, our great physician, has also entered this worship room. Friends, this is holy ground. Jesus, the great physician, is with us. Listen carefully. Our Lord Jesus Christ applied the names of God to himself. Jesus shocked the religious world of his day. He made a statement that was unheard of since the beginning of the world. Jesus declared that he himself is God. He said, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. John eight fifty eight. Jesus claimed that he is the I am. Get the significance. He is claiming the very essence of being Yahweh. I am. The very name of God, Yahweh, used for God just around 7,000 times in the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, I am Yahweh. When the Jewish religious leaders heard Jesus say this, they tried to kill him because this was the highest form of blasphemy. By applying the name of God to himself, Jesus declared that he is God. In the book of Revelation, Jesus reveals himself to the apostle John with the name, I am the Alpha and the beginning, Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 1, 7 and following. Jesus Christ made it clear that he is the I Am who appeared to Moses. He is the one who always existed, and he is the one true God who will always be. Now, in the fullness of time, at the crossroads of three continents, God came to earth in the person of Jesus the Messiah. In the incarnation, God comes to earth born in human flesh and he is fully human and fully God. All the revealed characteristics revealed in the names of God are poured into the person Jesus. Jesus is God with us. God's deity Revealed in human form. 
I want you to embrace the memory verse for today. For in Christ, you have your card in your bulletin. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. I want you to concentrate on the first line. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity in bodily form. Friends, along with John 3.16, you know it well, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I believe that this verse is my second favorite in all the Bible. Because it tells us who Jesus is. In plain language. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Look at that word deity. Deity is the strongest word that can be used for God. Other names could have been used. He could have used divinity. Which means God-like. But deity means God himself. And so when somebody ask that great question, who is Jesus? Go to Colossians 3, 9, and then Colossians 2, 9, and say here in Scripture it says, for in Christ all the fullness of God deity dwells in human form. So therefore, take it one step further. In Christ, the fullness of Yahweh Rapha, the healing God, dwells in bodily form, and we know him as our great physician. Let me make this personal to each of you listening. Along with being your Savior, along with being your Lord, Jesus is your personal doctor. Jesus is your personal great physician. In the remaining time we have together, I want to share and illustrate scriptural insights about Yahweh Rapha, Jesus, your great physician. These are for you to ponder, prayerfully consider. The fact that you have a personal great physician gives you a larger resource and a bigger advantage than you've ever realized. Having a personal physician is powerful. It happened to me once in my life when I was on a preaching mission to India. The mission agency that funded our trip provided a personal doctor to keep us healthy as we traveled and ministered in that culture. The physician physician provided counsel, medications, wisdom, care, Protection, his presence was a comfort and healing. Felt good to say, got my own doctor back here, taking care of me, keeping me alive. You who by grace have received Jesus are in union with Christ, and you have the great blessing of your great physician, your personal doctor, by your side. All your earthly days. Scripture 
tells us that your union with Christ, your personal great physician, provides you with the following awesome resources. These are yours. Christ restores your brokenness. He brings balance to every facet of your life. He keeps you from error. He protects you. He fixes your problems. He shows you the true way. He shines light in your darkness. He strengthens your inner person. He makes right your wrongs. And Christ heals your infirmities and diseases. That is your perfect Yahweh Rapha. Jesus, your personal great physician. This connection is valuable. Picture yourself in union with that physician. I like to picture you handcuffed to your great physician so that you can never doubt that your physician is not by your side. You're together for life. Next, your relationship to and union with Jesus, your physician, is time limited. It begins the second you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And last, the rest of your earthly life. The vital relationship ends when you pass through the door of death and enter eternal life. Your resurrection by God's power is your ultimate, complete, and final healing. The work of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection has ended the curse of your physical death. Now, resurrected with a new glorious body likened to his glorious body you have moved beyond pain beyond weakness beyond disease and beyond death that era for you is over and you will no longer need Yahweh the great physician your personal physician because now you are in his presence you will live forever in the light of his fellowship and in the presence of your risen Savior. Having established that you have a personal physician for every minute of your days on this planet, in your daily walk, the great physician Jesus assumes the challenge of guiding you, guiding you to health in every aspect of your person, body, Mind, soul, spirit, emotions, in your willpower, which is your volition. Picture yourself accompanied by Jesus who cares as much about your body as he does your spirit. Who cares as much about your mind as he does your emotions. Jesus is the Lord who heals us. In the Greek do you know what the word is for what Jesus does for you? It's the word therapia, from which our English word therapy comes. I get a kick out of this because the word therapy entered our English language around the year 1850. Christ had been your therapist 
for 1,850 years before they ever got around to putting the word in the English language and thinking they're going to do therapy. Jesus is your healer, counselor, and therapist. He is an incredible resource, the ultimate resource of blessing to our lives. Let me share some more facts into the original Greek language regarding Jesus as your physician. In the Gospel of John, all the healing activity of Jesus is referred to as signs. His healing signs are on almost every page of the New Testament. And they point to the authority. There are signs that says he has the authority and power to forgive sins as well as to heal. There are signs of who he is. Now in Mark and Matthew and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus' influence on our life as great physician is referred to as the lease, the release of power. The release of power. Remember whenever the woman reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment? What happened? Power flowed to her. Jesus was power. Nowhere. Now this is subtle. I repeat, nowhere at all at all in the four Gospels is Christ's impact on us referred as miracles or wonders. His healing power flows to us, but it's not called miracles or wonders. It's called signs and power dispersed to you by the great physician. You know, healing is God's constant desire for us but it's never an end in itself it's never done just for us to to have some special advantage it's always tied into his healing work he never shows off healing is his savior saving power released to heal body and soul in the new testament the english word for healing is usually translated from the Greek word saved. Where our bodies are healed, it's translated from the saved. We're saved, both spirit and body. The meaning combines both physical healing for the body and spiritual healing for the soul with his release of power, demonstrating that Jesus is not only your physician, he's your savior, He's your Redeemer. Scripture teaches us that all healing comes from God. You know, Yahweh Rapha is a powerful presence. And it flows through Christ. And that healing comes in two ways. The first is directly from the power of Jesus. Some describe direct healing as spontaneous, supernatural intervention. In the name of Jesus, be healed, be whole. Jesus, as God, has the authority and power to heal us whenever he wants. There's more to it because we might 
express the need for healing, but God knows more of our circumstances than we know. The second way healing comes is God includes men and women in his healing effort. I wish you could read the literature uh, behind the, the New Testament and the church fathers and all the way through. God uses physicians and medical science to bring healing. God is the source of all healing. And scripture has a high view of all those in the healing professions. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, was an honored physician. Today, the healthcare industry has become, in the last three years, the largest employer of people in our nation. With one in every eight people employed in America employed in the healthcare industry. They are all God's partners in healing. Doctors, dentists, nurses, and everyone trained in healing are valued as God's partners and greatly blessed. This is scriptural. You know, healing comes directly from God, comes directly from the healing in healing science, but he also brings us all into the process of being healers within the family of God to one another. You are a healer. Your love, your touch, your compassion has the power to heal in the name of Jesus. I remember one of the darkest times of my life. I was suffering. I was suffering from a, a spiritual problem and a young man who was so compassionate sensed my pain. And he came up and I felt like there was an emptiness, a burning in my back because of my spiritual problem. He gave me a hug. I was surprised. He reached around and with his fist pressed against that pain in my back. I felt the healing of Jesus because a brother cared. My friends, God heals directly. God heals through medical science. And God heals through brothers and sisters who love us. When visiting the nation of Zimbabwe in East Africa, Carol and I visited a hospital that served 750,000 people. And there was only one doctor. And he was away. It was like arriving on a Civil War battlefield to see the unbelievable suffering and pain. There were three courageous Catholic nuns who were nurses. Armed with the help of God, they tried to address the overwhelming needs. The sick and the suffering came from every direction and formed great lines. These nuns worked day and night and 
as they were in the night, the electricity went out at night. And there in the darkness, the lead nurse would position three candles in the darkness and remove a a diseased appendix to save a life in the dark. It was amazing to see the dedicated human effort and skill and a compassionate God working together to do everything they could to heal. The time at that remote hospital changed my way I viewed human need. Would you believe one of the nurses asked me, there's so many people waiting for surgery. Pastor Warren, would you take a try at doing surgery? I couldn't believe my ears. She said, uh, or maybe maybe we, we don't have a dentist, but we got a room for a dentist with all the equipment here. Would you mind taking a turn trying to extract some abscessed teeth? I felt lost in the weeds. I have no skills as a dentist, and even less as a surgeon. There was no way I could fill those desperate pleas for help, except to extend a loving, caring touch at the point of need in the name of Jesus, and to thank God for anyone who has any skill that can be used by God for healing. What's your need? Only the great physician can heal. Every person here has his own unique needs. Today, please, do an honest MRI, or if you prefer a CAT scan, on your own body your own spirit, your own soul. Dare to look inside. You may see addiction, opioids, methamphetamines, cocaine, heroin, or club drugs, or alcoholism. You may see a mother or father grieving the loss of a child. See a young person who has been bullied See a broken heart, a person betrayed by a trusted friend. See a family with a member facing a terminal illness. See a man or woman who has just discovered romantic texts from another person on their loved one's cell phone. See a dream that's been lost forever. Financial problems that carry serious worry. See the concern for illness that may be stirring in your body. A bride left at the altar by her groom or vice versa. Abuse in some form. The loss of a beloved spouse and the unbearable anxiety and grief from the separation the elderly person who feels alone and forgotten. See the battle against deep, organic, or situational depression. 
perhaps the fear of dementia or the onset of Alzheimer's. As you face your deepest needs and fears, remember the great physician is with you. He is your Yahweh Rapha. God alone provides the remedy for your brokenness through His Son, Jesus Christ. The gospel is the physical, moral, spiritual remedy for all of us for our need. I leave you with some suggestions. Receive God's redeeming love for you. Plunge yourself into the love of God. Christ has come to rescue you. Face the fact that every day we live in this fallen world that is broken, we are under the curse of death. Because of sin that entered humanity, all humanity is separated from God. This life will end. Because we have lost the ability to keep ourselves alive. When I arrived as pastor of the Third Presbyterian Church in Springfield, Illinois, it had a great history, and there was a photo taken in a city park of their huge Sunday school during World War I. It was in their archives. And in that picture, there were 4,000 persons in a panoramic, four-foot-wide picture. Every good believer in that picture of 4,000 people are no longer alive. I looked at that picture. Every good believer has departed this life and is now in the presence of God. We cannot escape. If Christ does not return, one day in the future here will be our last. Perhaps sooner or later. We will follow in the way of all who have traveled life's journey. The generations rise and fall before the face of God. Receive God's grace-filled redeeming love. And in this process of life, on a journey to God, relax. We're in the arms of the great physician. It will end well for those in Christ. As a believer, please do your way to cooperate with your physician, Jesus. It's a partnership. Our life is a precious gift, and we must do our part to sustain our physical and spiritual health. One day in my ministry, I recall well, I visited a member of my church who I'll refer to as Donna. After a serious heart incident, She had stints placed in the artery near her heart. She asked me to walk with her in the hospital hall because the physician suggested a bit of exercise. And as we walked, Donna began bargaining with God. 
and asked me to ask God to get her through this tight spot with her health. She promised me that she would be in worship every Sunday, like she hadn't been, if I'd get her through this and get her healed. Her thinking seemed a little bit off and overestimating my power with God. But I prayed for her and assured her of God's love. After I left the hospital, she remained on my mind. The problem was she expected God to bring healing when she was unwilling in almost any way to be obedient to her surgeon's wide and wise orders. Surgeon told her, no smoking. It could kill you. She was a chain smoker and ordered not to smoke by her surgeon. No way, no how. Later that afternoon after I left, her husband came and uh, he pretty much had to do what she said. She said, I want you to take me down the hall to the stairwell so I can open the window there and have a cigarette. She did. She smoked her cigarette, returned to the chair beside her bed in her hospital room, and as she settled into her chair, she immediately died. Her surgeon was right. Don't smoke or it'll kill you. This is one example of the way we ignore the rules and expect God to break His rules and to make up the slack for us. My friends, as a pastor, I saw people take their oxygen off their face and say, hold this away from me. I'm going to smoke my cigarette. I don't want to blow myself up. I've known a dear person suffering from alcoholism with alcohol-induced cirrhosis of the liver who hid her vodka in her toilet tank in her bathroom so she could drink in private when she went to the bathroom and nobody would know. Just recently, a young lady addicted to opioids couldn't find pain pills and she was desperate. So she took a bowling ball and threw it on her leg and foot and crushed it so she could get her drugs. These are extreme cases, but we can break the rules of health, nutrition, and exercise and make our personal positions task of keeping us healthy and on the straight and narrow very difficult. Perhaps we should list personally the areas where we contribute to our own illness and do our part to help the great physician by our side. What did you find after you did your MIR and CAT scan? It's personal. We all worry about ourselves. I found throughout my life I needed the guidance and therapy of my personal doctor, Yahweh Rapha. Let me tell you a story that... uh, when God gave me some unexpected therapy. 
I came home from college, and uh, I was uh, a preacher in my early years. Began preaching at 16 in churches in Pittsburgh. And my home church was featuring me this Sunday morning, and I came home from college. I'd had exams. I was busy. I had three days to prepare a sermon. And I felt quite confident I could do that. First day, I was tired. I slept. Second day, I started thinking about what should I preach on. But nothing really came. So it was Saturday, and I had a big job to prepare a sermon. So I started in the morning. But as I prayed and sought for something to say to those folks on Sunday morning, my spirit and heart was as dry as dust. There was nothing there. I cried out, God, for direction, and there was silence. And around uh, 6 o'clock at night, that became problematic. Because you can't get up in front of hundreds of people and say, Friends, I didn't get anything today. Church is dismissed. Go home. I needed something, but there was nothing. Then it was 10 o'clock. Saturday night, nothing. I got desperate. I try everything. I don't care how silly it looked or whatever. Uh, I heard, get in your closet and pray. So I climbed in my closet under my clothes, tried to pray, nothing. I'm stirring around, and my mother, who is my prayer warrior, came in and said, what's wrong with you, Warren? I said, I wish I knew. I don't have a sermon. I don't have an idea. So she prayed for me. That didn't work either. And so I decided to go for a walk. It was pitch black. And on our farm, the dark is scary. Big trees, dark shadows. I walked in the dark, praying to God all the way to the woods, which is about three-quarters of a mile away, and back again. Stepped on a rabbit and almost scared myself to death. Or the rabbit did. I got back home. Nothing. It's midnight. So I started thinking, there must be something blocking the Spirit of God. This never happens. So I started to pray. I started to forgive everybody I could think of. I started repenting of every sin I could ever even imagine. The ones I knew about and the ones I probably didn't know about. And then... I remembered Bob Wissinger. He was a tough kid from the bad side of town. And for some reason, he didn't like me. He bullied me. Every chance he had, he beat on me. He was older than I was, bigger than I was, stronger than I was. I was so scared of him. But the result was I hated him. I had bitterness in my heart toward him. I didn't even remember him. He'd gone and joined the service He was out of my life, and I didn't even think about him. And then said, Lord, I even forgive Bob Wissinger, my arch enemy, the guy I hate, and I'm so afraid of. Something happened. God's information started to flow to me. And from about probably 12 midnight to about 3 in the morning, I wrote the best sermon I could. Wasn't great, but wasn't too bad either. 
I went to church that morning. I felt hungover. I felt weird. I felt like I didn't understand anything that had happened. But in that church, you came up from beneath, sort of like here. You come up from behind. And you go up, and it's a raised kind of deal where you go up on the pulpit, you put your notes down, open your Bible to the Scripture reading, adjust the mic. So I did that. And I looked down on the congregation, and there was Bob Wissinger sitting in the front seat in the middle with a girl that brought him to church. Instantly I said, I'm getting out of here. I'm not staying around here with that guy. I'm disappearing. I'm afraid of that guy. I hate that guy. And then God interrupted and said, Warren, we took care of that last night. In the middle of the night, you prayed to forgive him, to love him, to move beyond him. Believe me, God was my therapist that night. God prepared me with confidence I preached to Bob and all the rest of them. As he left, he shook my hand warmly, greeted me. Nothing was ever said. But I knew in my heart I had received some therapy. My friends, whatever you find in your life, surrender your future to Jesus Christ, your Lord and great physician. You know, I learned a deep lesson from a young lady in my congregation who was diagnosed with a nasty malignant tumor. She had a nine-year-old daughter, and we met in a city park in Boulder, and we, we talked, and she revealed the diagnosis and her fears, and she listed the circumstances. What will happen to my daughter Will I get better? Can I be healed? Will I do this? Will I do that? What treatment should I seek? And then as she grew closer to the Lord, she made a statement that has become part of the banner that I use for all people. And she said, I'm going to quit focusing on my circumstances. I'm going to start focusing on God. And I've come to the point. I don't understand what's happening to me. But whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. And she relaxed. And she went to be with the Lord. But she went whole and healthy into the arms of her great physician, As we focus on circumstances, we are focused wrong. And you know, the great physician was by her side. And the peace that passes human understanding came upon us. She resolved to trust Jesus. And so friends, 
make that statement. Don't try to bargain. Don't get bitter. Don't do anything else but embrace the loving God. And whether you live or whether you die, you are the Lord's because that is what is important. You will be healed. There comes a time in each of our lives when circumstances turn against us. Don't grumble or complain by the bitter waters. But like Moses, cry out to the living God for his solution to your situation. Every situation is different. But God will speak to you and do his therapy and do his healing in the context of your life and your situation. We're all different, but God is the same today and forever. You know, I'll tell you, I take great strength from the witness of Aaron and Amy Dorman. As they have trusted God during Amy's complicated illness. When Amy is asked why God would bring this pain, this discomfort, this suffering into her life. When she's asked, why you? She says, well, when I wonder why me, I answer, why not me? That stance of trust, that stance of surrender to the mystery of God's will in her life is more powerful than any sermon that could ever be preached on healing. She understands the history of the world. She understands that some people have good bodies and some have broken bodies, but that God is her Lord, physician, and healer. And that healing will come in this life or in the next. Someday, I will have a new leg. I don't pray for healing, for God to grow me a new leg. I don't think that's reasonable. It doesn't happen that way. I'm going to give up this missing leg for a new one someday. True, I won't be able to keep my socks up with thumbtacks. But I'll enjoy the new one. You know, we walk by faith, not by sight. Rise up, you believers. Move beyond the pool of bitter waters. Park yourselves. Park yourselves at Elam, where there's 12 large pools of sweet, good water and 75 palm trees. And a refreshing oasis. Let's praise God. Everything's going to work out well. Let us pray. Lord, thanks for being our personal doctor. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for doing therapy and healing in our lives. Lord, we're going to trust you. We're going to make the most out of this relationship we have with you every second of our earthly life. 
We're going to walk with you. And then someday, we're walking together and you say, you know, we're closer my house than yours. Why don't you come home with me? And we will go. And we will experience the triumphant resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll breathe the air of heaven. We'll fellowship with all who have gone before. And we'll bow a knee to Jesus the risen Lord. Amen. With your green card, I want you to memorize Colossians 2.9 that tells you who Jesus is, the final word, the strongest statement in Scripture. Accept Jesus as your great physician of personal. Be open to healing of body and soul. Be restored to wholeness of body and soul. I recommend it. Amen.